You're listening to Drawing the Line. I'm Roman McCutcheon. And I'm Brad Reeves. And today we're going to talk about the Beatitudes. And it might get a little mushy. Let's get started. Season 2, Episode 6. We've already made a Randy Jackson reference before we started. Yo, dog. And it's been a good time. I hope that we sound okay. We record in my office, and it's currently empty. Not because I'm leaving it, but because I'm renovating it. Yeah, these are naked walls in here right now. Yeah, I don't even have a desk. I give, like What we're on right now is the closest thing to a desk. So we were testing the reverb by trying to do some kind of a, a mix between American Idol and Shark Tank. Yeah. Just to check the mics. <laughs> it's going to be a no from me. That's not, <laughs> and I'm out. And I'm out. For that reason, I'm out. For that reason. <laughs> so <laughs> last week we focused on the idea of Christian responsibilities, peacemaking, and we kind of wanted to get into some more of that um, with with maybe a more specific look at at the Beatitudes and, and, you know, sort of the mushiness, the weird shape of whatever. Difficult to define. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's sometimes, and I don't know, maybe I'm starting off with something real bold here, but sometimes like what I think I should be doing as a Christian seems like real ambiguous. Um, seems real like, oh, like answering the whole, like, what would Jesus do thing seems yeah. a lot harder than what I would think it would be. Yeah, well, it's particularly in our context right now where Jesus dealt in, you know, he, he was around 2,000 years ago. They had their own socio-political structure, but they didn't have social media they didn't have the kinds of um, rapid fire interactions exposure that we do to you know not not just social media and media but advertisement and yeah interaction i don't know email right there was no tiktok there was no tiktok there, there was, was no snapchat and yeah. people weren't getting 200 emails a day in their in their inbox right by the way um, Snapchat. Is, it was a better time, basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, Snapchat is the worst social media. Prove me wrong. You can text me if you feel like it. Really would like to know. I am not a fan of Snapchat, but I recently have become a fan of TikTok, and I'm sure I'll get somebody will talk to me about that too. Well, so. and with the Tom Cruise deepfake videos this week, this has just been a really oh, harrowing been, week. Yeah, it's yep. been a lot. Yeah. I mean, there, I need to take a nap. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, we. So there are these uh, mushy areas. You know what it made me think of, though, is uh, I almost I almost feel like you, you can vacillate between some things are are more clear and some things are less clear. I think back to John the Baptist, and when John the Baptist was out in the wilderness and people were coming to him and he was baptizing them, which is kind of a weird thing because you know John's baptism, I guess, for the Jews. Uh, typically you wouldn't be baptized. I mean, there was ritual washing, Mm -hmm. but baptism was typically something that would happen if somebody was converting to Judaism. So John was kind of doing this whole brand new thing saying, hey, I've got my own thing going on out in the wilderness, and you people who are already Jews, come and be baptized to sort of signify that you are ready to repent. Teshuva, you're ready to return to the right path, okay? 
And then his sermons, to get back to sort of the clear advice, after these people had been baptized, they said, so what should we do? Like they were asking for the, I mean, Jesus was coming along real soon, but they weren't saying, what would Jesus do? They're just like, well, what should we do, Mm -hmm. Prophet John? And John says, well, uh, if you've got two coats and your neighbor is cold and doesn't have one, give one of your coats to your neighbor, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or to the soldiers that came out there, he said, um, you know, don't riot over your pay, you know, be satisfied and don't take advantage of people. It was like very sort of straightforward advice for their particular situations. So that's like, there are some situations in, in scripture where you see like kind of this very straightforward advice, but then there are other situations like the Beatitudes, like I think we're going to get into mm-hmm. where some of these things, it's kind of hard to tell what are, is this, is Jesus telling us what to do or how to be, or is he doing something else yeah. um, in, in these mushier areas? Right. And by the way, whenever I think of John the Baptist and like a depiction of like that whole idea of people going to him to be baptized, I literally think of the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Like every time. And I know that it's not the same by any means, but like the idea of just all these people just like in the woods and there's this man in white baptizing them, putting them in the water. And I know he wasn't in white. Right. Um, what was he, what was he, what was his stuff made out of? What was it? What were his like? Oh, camel hair yeah, camel and a leather hair. belt and he ate locusts, and, yeah, I think. Yeah, locusts and honey, right? Was that it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just like, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's a rough diet right there. Can you imagine like a kid being like, hey, mom, I'm going to go get baptized by John the Baptist. She's like, oh, tell me a little bit about him. He's like, oh, well, he only eats locusts and honey and he dresses in camel hair. She's like, okay, have a good time. <laughs> like, that's that's that. I know that's not what we're talking about, but like that kind of stuff blows my mind. Like, give me a description of, of like a very important biblical character. Yeah, he's a good one. He's a, he's a good one. Uh, so, all right, these, we, we ended last week, Roman, looking at the Beatitudes, mm-hmm. and I think I, even, I think I even read through some of them here. Yeah. I think probably one thing to start out in uh, thinking about when we're thinking about the Beatitudes is just this phrase. It's almost like a poem that gets said over and over, this, that, that's this blessed are, and then fill in the blank. Blessed are these people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my understanding of what this is trying to communicate is that the blessing uh, connotes the idea of God's uh, favor. So sort of like the divine, um, I got your back, I'm on your side. Mm -hmm. Like God is with the people that are in these different situations or that maybe in certain circumstances, people that act in these ways. Hmm. Well, you know, and so I'm the kind of person that talks about himself too much, Um, like Ralph Waldo Emerson, Um, by the way, he wrote some really good stuff. (laughs) Anyway, um, but when I think about the Beatitudes, I mean, it's one of those things where like I try to like put myself literally like, oh, do I, am I poor in spirit? Oh, am I mourning enough? Oh, am I meek enough? Oh, Am I hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Which is oh, oh, like, and and then 
is that the attitude I'm supposed to have going into those things? Is that, I mean, is that, is that how I should be looking at that? Well, that, I think that's kind of, you know, we, we going back to how we talked about interpreting the Bible, that is a very sort of owner's manual mathematical approach of like, okay, well, what are these things? Are these a list of achievements mm-hmm. that we can uh, aspire to and, and work toward? Or maybe there's something else going on. You know, for one thing, the very first one, we start with the very first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. And by the way, in Luke, in the Luke version, it's called, strangely enough, Sermon at the Level Place. This is Sermon on the Mount. Sermon at the Level Place, which actually, you know, tracks this very closely. In Luke, it actually says, blessed are the poor, period. Yeah. Right? And here we have, blessed are the poor in spirit. And so... I, I think, and I, you, you can disagree if you want to, but I, I think that this phrase, poor in spirit or poor, it's not necessarily a good thing in the sense that, oh, we need to be more poor in spirit. We need to have poverty of spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, well, today I'm too rich in spirit, and tomorrow I need to be more poor in spirit. It, at least it seems to me to be more like it's communicating this divine truth that God is on the side of the people who, who are lacking. Yeah. Like when people lack, Mm -hmm. he, that's, that's like at his heart. That is where, um, God's focus is, is when people are lack, whether it's lacking resources or lacking, lacking spiritual resources or lacking financial resources. Yeah, I think that, and I don't, and you can disagree with me if, if you would like, I guess, um, but I think that that's a big reason as to why we really enjoy an underdog, because I think that that's sort of how, not not that we're necessarily underdogs, but it's that same idea, right, that like, they don't necessarily have, I don't know, obviously I think of sports when I think of an underdog, right? Like yeah. they're, they're, they may not be as athletic, they may not have the same skill set or whatever as their opponent, but like the heart is there, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that God's like, okay, you know, th- their heart's in the right place. They may not have it all together, but it's something they're working towards genuinely and so on about it. And maybe I'll take that a step fur- further. I will say that maybe God is with them in their not having it togetherness and God is okay mm-hmm. with them not having it together. Now I'm, I'm not saying that there's, there's no room for people to aspire for more people to try to get better, but I guess I'm, I'm always worried that Christianity just becomes nothing more than a self-improvement project. Yeah. That that's mm-hmm. all, that that's all it becomes where I think what, what the, one of the things the cross is saying and one of the things that mercy and grace say is that God is meeting you exactly where you are. Wherever your level of spirit is, mm-hmm. God is there. And you don't have to, let me say it this way, you don't have to turn your spirit level either up or down for God to love you more, for God to have a greater connection with you. Mm-hmm. God's already there with you, right? No, I, I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, I I like that idea. Um, I the idea of, of self improvement is something that seems to be a 
I don't know, like a Christian standard. Um, and I, I don't necessarily like that because personally, I don't think, do you think that that can, that Christian standard could be completely decoupled from say like the American Protestant worth work ethic? Oh, sure. I mean, th- like the, aren't those things sort of tied up and, and, and connected together? I mean, you can see the way Jesus and the disciples mm-hmm. live. They, they weren't, super productive in terms of they left their jobs right well yeah that's why i mean where i was trying to go is that i i think that we get too focused on self whether it's self-improvement whether it's self-worth whether whether it's just anything about yourself the the christian the way right jesus way was never about him it was never about us it's always about other people you're living your life for the people around you and personally, I think we have way too many examples of that scripturally. And, you know, obviously a part of that is, you know, you're, you're growing through that. But if you're living for others, I mean, I don't know, you think you're probably doing it pretty right. Yeah. So, I mean, through that lens, um, which I know I remember last week you, you love that the through that lens that's what got us into national treasure oh absolutely yeah. right so but looking at it through the beatitudes through that lens instead of looking at this as as sort of like a list of achievements that we could you know things that we could achieve or mm-hmm. uh, levels that we could aspire to instead if these are divine truths like for instance um, in verse 4 blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. So if God's divine blessing and favor is with those who mourn, then the, we should be the kind of people who comfort those who mourn. Mm-hmm. We should be the kind of people who come alongside and do whatever we can to help people when they're mourning because that's what God does. Right. Well, yeah. So that, and that's, that's, I mean, I think a perfect example of it's not about, I mean, that verse is not about us mourning more. Like, you know, bro, right. you need to really be mourning more than you're mourning over whatever it is. It's not that. It's just the reality is, is that when, when things happen, we lose people, or sometimes we just mourn the life that we thought we were going to have that's not turning out exactly how we wanted it to. Yeah. Right. And so when we're mourning, there's a divine truth that God is close to us, but we can also be part of that to other people. Oh, yeah. I think that uh, regularly um, we are like the solution that God has given. Um, We are the answer to the prayer that has been asked, right? Like uh, we have that ability because, I mean, God puts us there. And it's sometimes really hard to recognize that, but if, you know, if you're intentional about looking for it, then you may not see it in the moment, but you may be able to see it later on down the road that, oh, hey, that was God using me for something. That was, you know, that was, that was God comforting someone who was mourning, but he was using me to do that. Uh, Yes. And I want to go back to really lean in on your concept of this is kind of all about not self-focus, but focus on others. I mean, back to that, to the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. If I was to, you know, try to rephrase this one a little bit or paraphrase this one a little bit, what if this one is more about divine blessing and divine favor is with the losers? 
It's with the people who have fallen out of favor, with the screw-ups, with sort of the people who are counted out, the people who are failures, right? So in other words, if you have a situation where you tend to view people and place them in any of those categories I just listed, oh, Mm -hmm. they're a loser, they're they're garbage. They're they're worthless. Right. They're the moment you sort of categorize and put people in those places, maybe what this scripture is saying is that guess what? God is on their side. God's going to stand up for those people. And and so the 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 teaching here Perhaps it could be going a couple ways. Now, certainly the people Jesus were talking, were talking to the people from the Decapolis, from the 10 cities region that came around. That's what it says right before this section in Matthew. Mm-hmm. It's like these people have come from all around. I mean, these were common people. Yeah. These were not the wealthy people. These were not the, the people who were the winners and the, and the successful people in life. Mm-hmm. They were common, common people. Yeah. So, he could have been speaking directly to them, but I think for us in, in the relative wealth in which we live, in our circumstances, to me it speaks to, hey, God, his eye is on people who don't have it together, who are the losers in our society. Well, yeah, and I'll, and I'll take that a step further and say the people who you call a loser or the people who you judge and say, hmm. I'm not going to hang out. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And and to consider that, you know, maybe in those moments gives you an opportunity to do some self-correction. Well, the reason I'm putting that out there, and and maybe hopefully the reason you're putting that out there too, is not because we want to just preach at everybody who's listening to this. It's more the reason I'm saying is because I've experienced this. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've experienced yeah. this truth where the moment I start to marginalize somebody, I try to bring myself back and and think about you know what comes a little bit later uh, yeah. in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says. Look, if you say in your mind, oh, that person is a fool. I mean, the minute you sort of cast judgment and and say something about someone like that, you are, you're sort of missing. Well, one thing that you're missing that we've talked about is that you're missing that that person is a divine image bearer too, just like you are. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you are, you are saying that about them, but you're saying that about somebody who God cares about just as much as God cares about you. Yeah. Well, and you know, why, you know, why don't they deserve your love? And that may sound weird, but like sometimes when I think of if, you know, if you were to ask somebody, Hey, you know, tell me list off people that you love. And that list is not difficult to write down. Right. Um, but you know, if that's true, and I'm assuming that for the most part, people are probably putting down spouses, kids, moms, dads, you know I mean? And that's, that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that because those people deserve your love. But like it says in the same chapter, the enemy is also who you're supposed to love. Right. And, and I, I'm not trying to get too far away from the Beatitudes. I, I don't want to stray too far away, but like that idea that of 
you know, people who deserve one thing or another is not up to me. And that's a really good, and that's, that's really great because, um, there would be a lot of people that would miss out on God's glory. And that's why, you know, it's, it's important that this is a journey that we do together. We kind of talked about that last week, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, I'm going to fail. You're going to fail at some point. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses that play off one another. And, you know, when I'm not seeing the situation correctly, when I am looking at someone with, you know, a judgmental attitude, uh, me personally being judgmental, um, that's when it's nice to live or be a part of a community or a tribe that can say, hey, Roman, chill out, because guess what? God loves that person as much as he loves you. And because that's not the... I think that that's not the instinct. The instinct is for us to lock arms yeah. together and, and sort of point fingers at other people and other mm-hmm. groups yeah. and to, you know, even within groups, mm-hmm. within church groups to form cliques and oh, okay, yeah. these are the people that, you know, I'm like, these are the people that I'm not like, but it's like you, and, and you're going to have more in common with certain people than you do with others. Sure. But it's, it's almost like there's, there's, there needs to be this base note of, of peace, of, of non-judgment, of love that underlies these interactions. Mm-hmm. There needs to be something there that continually causes you to hopefully course correct. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, are you going to get frustrated people? Yes. Are you going to get angry? Yes. Are you, are you going to screw up? Are you going to make mistakes? Are you going to say things that you shouldn't have? Are you, yes, all these things are going to happen. But in the course of all that, do you have anything in place in your community, with your friends, in your study? Do you have something that can help you course correct and come back to this meekness or humility or some of these other things and say, you know what, I need to really recheck myself and, and make sure to get, I keep, we keep jumping away from the Beatitudes, but make sure that I'm not, you know, reaching to get the speck out of my brother's eye when Mm -hmm. I've got this two by four sticking out of my own eye first. Like it's like you almost always need to start from that position of meekness, humility, poverty of spirit, where you're assuming that you've got the you've got the two by four sticking out of right. your eye. Yeah. And that's not a I don't think that's a bad way to necessarily live life is to just say, all right, hey, I know that I got stuff I need to work on. And if people if people started with that, I think yeah. it makes all the situations easier to handle because you're coming in with a meek attitude. So I ha- I used to teach um, high school marching bands. And there were, um, you know, so we'd have rehearsal after school and the instructors would sort of put together a rehearsal plan Mm -hmm. and we'd get together, we'd put it together, kids would come out and we'd do whatever, different drills, run the show, run segments of the show, do a full run through at the end. And then at the very end, the instructors would usually come together and you could tell during the rehearsal whether it went well or whether it didn't go well, whether you made progress or whether you didn't, or, you know, you have goals that you wanted to hit Mm -hmm. and maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But this was what I found very interesting is that Sometimes, um, in different groups that I taught in, different high schools, different um, drum corps that I taught in, there was an approach, there was an instructor approach that was, if the rehearsal was bad, 
it's because the kids suck. Right. right. Like the kids were bad. The kids could, man, they, what was wrong with them today? Um, they, they really weren't paying attention. They were, I mean, it was just nothing but trashing the kids because of the way they showed up or the way they performed. I always thought, you know, maybe there is an element of how the kids performed that was a part of it. But I always thought, look, we are the adults. <laughs> right. we're, we're the grown-ups here. We're the people who are the professionals at doing this. We need to approach it as if it we planned a bad rehearsal. Yeah. We didn't do something right. Or we need to try something else because whether or not it was their fault, it, it's I think back to the two-by-four out of your own eye. If you start and check and make sure or at least kind of double-check yourself, wait, maybe we could do this differently. How could how did this break down? And don't just assume it was the other person. Mm -hmm. Don't just assume it was whoever you were teaching. And that I found that we we were when we started approaching it that way, the the new the next rehearsals we would have after a bad one they were so much better. Mm -hmm. oh, they yeah. were so much better, and and you also don't come out just like yelling at the kids like, "Hey, you got to get your act together, right? right? Don't be like last time." Yeah, well, and I mean that, that's a it's a beautiful approach because that's how it should be, you know. When, um, I mean, just leaders in general you know, take the approach of, okay, I got a lot of responsibility here. Um, instead of, you know, forcing it onto someone else, then, you know, normally or hopefully is what I guess I should say. Those leaders should have some wisdom, some understanding, some patience to be able to handle situations like that, that, you know, when things aren't going the best and, God is a great example of that. Um, he's able to, I don't know that God is necessarily like the person that's taking responsibility, but he's also very understanding and patient and compassionate and wise, full of grace and mercy, right? In those situations where, you know, our band practice wasn't great. Our rehearsal was trash because not God being imperfect, but that doesn't mean God's like, wow, you're the worst. You suck. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. comforting. Yeah. It's like we get an opportunity to self-correct like we were talking about. I do love how some of these Beatitudes sort of like build on themselves or they're, they're almost circular. Like, um, like blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. I think the, those are interesting to me. And maybe these are the more... Um, straightforward in the sense that if you are the type of person who is merciful to others, mm -hmm. you're more likely to be the type of person who's the recipient of mercy. You know, if you go around and you're sort of like the, the this is like the parable that, that Jesus tells about, uh, you know, the, the unmerciful servant, the, right. the one that, you know, owes the amount of money that could never be repaid. Mm -hmm. And then he begs to have it forget. He, he just begs his master, master forgives him. He then goes and somebody owes him like the equivalent of 20 bucks. Right. And he throws him into prison. And the, the people who were around it saw that and came, went to the first master. So the, 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 the point of the parable is that, you know, when you receive mercy, and then you don't pass it on. It just doesn't make sense. Right. Like you're, you're stopping the flow. So I think this is like the other side of that. This is like, 
if you are merciful, sort of like the more merciful you are, the more you're going to experience mercy. And again, I don't think this is so much like a, oh man, we got to be merciful, more merciful. I mean, we should when we have the opportunity, but Mm -hmm. I think it's more like this is just a truth of the universe. This is a divine truth Mm. that when you show mercy, you will be shown mercy. That's how things work in this world. Hmm. I, I, I like that, and I and I and I I'm not necessarily countering it. I just want to make a kind of a depiction of how. Um, okay, so I'm a youth minister, and um, I've asked kids before, like how they think sin works as far as punishments go, and for the most part, there's this idea that imagine like imagine a scale, right? Like one of those old ones um, that. Is it the 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 lady that's the justice? Lady justice, lady yeah, justice yeah. right? Scales of justice. Yeah, She's blind and all that. Right. Um, yeah. So, or blindfolded. Yeah. So a lot of uh, what they, a lot of the responses were, well, like if you you know you sin, then you receive a punishment of the same value. So it's like it's a like one to one directly proportional. Yeah, right. it's like a one to one thing, and mm-hmm. and it's kind of incredible how that's just like. It just makes sense, right? I mean, because we we live in society where you know the punishment fits the crime, and thankfully God doesn't seem to work that way. Um, it's not like you know you're going around and you're like, well, I sin three times a day. That means three bad things are going to happen to me. It doesn't work like that. But also, um, I think proportional to that, which is what you're saying, is if you give mercy, um, it doesn't necessarily mean like you're going to get mercy once. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're even going to, it doesn't mean that you're going to get it twice or three times. One, you're already receiving it. Yeah. So you're like, it's already like this unlimited stack. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes I think that like, God's like, Hey, just do it like one time. Like, just get, yeah, just show, try it. Just try it. Just try it. It's awesome. Like a, it's like a scratch and sniff yeah. sticker. Come yeah. on, just try. Like you, you give up something that you're entitled to. Right. Give you like you you deserve this. Give it up and try it out and see how it works. Um, yeah, I think that I think that that is a. I love that even that depiction of God because I think that's how God is with a lot of things. I think God is like that when it comes to generosity, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to things that are sort of counterintuitive. I think God is kind of like winking, like, hey try this out. It's not as bad as you think. And you might be surprised. It might open your eyes to the fact that you actually need forgiveness. Yeah. You need to experience forgiveness. You need to experience mercy. You need to experience generosity. Perfect example. My wife used to wait tables, mm-hmm. right? In a couple of different restaurants among them, uh, Bennigan's. Did you ever go to Bennigan's? Was there ever Bennigan's out where you were? Okay. No. They had some ridiculous food that would, you know, put you in the hospital <laughs> but uh she waited tables there and, and a couple of other places and because of that and i used to like when i was in law school when i was in college i would go um you know when she was waiting tables and she would wait on me yeah and and so i saw her like come home after working you know an eight-hour shift on her feet with all these tables and and i saw her do that for years mm-hmm. and it changed it changed her. It changed me. It changed the way forever that I will look at servers. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I I worked at a at a hotel here at a resort, and I was a banquet waiter and did sort of similar stuff. And once I did that, it's like I saw them differently, and it causes me to be more merciful, more generous, more forgiving. Mm-hmm. Whenever I interact with with waiters or wait staff or people who are in the service industry in general, yeah, because I've had a lot of service industry types of jobs in the past, mm-hmm. and it is a I'm convinced it's a better way to be a human being. It is a it is a Christian way to live. Yeah. I think it's the way. I don't think Jesus would be like, "Hey, you know my uh, my glass here, it's empty." <laughs> All right. <laughs> like I, I like my. W- so, what were you over there on your phone texting your boyfriend? Like, right. get, Fill the glass. Well, my great grandfather used to. Um, oh, I've got some bad <laughs> grandfather stories too on waiters. Go ahead. He would well. This isn't even like at a restaurant. He would just literally shake his glass of ice, <laughs> and my great grandmother would be like, "Here I come!" And like, oh boy, fill yes, it up. Yes, yes. And I always thought that was the crazy. I mean, I remember being like super young and thinking, "What?" I think what one of my granddads uh, he would. Uh, my mom tells me a story. I've never been there for him to do this, but he would put the tip on the table at the beginning of the meal and let them know that it was only going to go down from there. Right. Ba- ba- <laughs> it was only going to be reduced. Like that's the best it's going to get. Wow. But you know, depending on how you how you serve me. So anyway, I think some of these things. What Jesus is maybe trying to do is to change our frame of reference, um, and and those uh, those areas are not always black and white. Like when is the right when is the right time to show mercy? Mm-hmm. Right? When is the right time to give up uh, something? Because there is you, you know we we say right above the mercy it says you got to you know blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we've got to want justice. We've got to want righteousness. Yeah. So when, but when are the times to sort of let that go in favor of mercy? That's when I think it gets a little messy. Hmm. Well, and well, yeah, because then it becomes like a like a judgment call, like a wisdom, a wisdom situation. Yeah, right? and I'm not like, like a right answer, but like yeah. you've got to utilize wisdom. Yeah, in this situation with this relationship, you know, with Roman, mm-hmm. with whoever it is, you know, with whoever I'm with, with my spouse, with my kids, with this particular kid, as opposed to this particular kid. Right. What is the if I'm if I'm trying to uh, you know, harness wisdom from experience, from scripture, from the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> is this the, is this the right time? This comes up all the time in parenting and deciding on punishments. And mm-hmm. when is the right time to sort of lean into a punishment? When is the right time to be merciful? That is, man, there are no black and white answers when it comes to that. Oh yeah. So Specifically, and this is, I guess, kind of a funny story, but hopefully you all are not offended by this, but I'm at, uh, we're at church camp and I'm a counselor and sometimes, I mean, I'm in a, like a high school guy's cabin and, um, I'm, I'm the counselor of that cabin and, you know, sometimes at night they're high school boys, they're ridiculous and they're like, all right, we're going to start telling you mama jokes and that's back when that was like really popular and they're all just kind of going at it and it's funny. Some of them are really funny and they're all having a good time, right? This isn't a, like no one's like getting their feelings genuinely hurt. They wanted to be a part of it. 
and um, somebody's like, hey, Roman, you say one. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to say it. No, no. And I'm like, okay. And so I said one, and this kid started crying. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thanks for telling that story on yourself. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what? Uh, that was what did it? And, I, and for the life of me, I can't even remember the joke. Yo, dog, that was wrong. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a no from me. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, I mean, oh, my goodness. I mean, I felt so bad. And I, and obviously, that's not necessarily the same idea. But, like, I, it, it's, it's, it kind of goes along with that. You know, okay, like, I didn't necessarily read the situation well enough. Though, right. I don't even know that I really could have. Sometimes... You just can't fully know. No, and you're, we're going to be wrong, right? Yeah. We're going to be wrong. We're going to miscalculate. I think going back to your, your point about sin or, or, or when, we, when we miss the mark, is that is, the, I think, the beautiful thing about God is God knows that he's not surprised when we screw up. No. I don't think God's no. like, oh, wait, really? I didn't see that coming. Right. You mean you made that decision? Oh, <laughs> that one real that was a real shocker. Right. <laughs> Brad, I, I'm I am shocked that you did that. What a surprise ending. I, no, I don't no, I don't think I don't no. think it's I don't think it's like that. But but then it's like, but you learn and i I guarantee you the next time the yo mama jokes oh, yeah. come around no. in a setting like that, you're like Psst. Oh, I don't All even right. talk. I've been there. I've been there before. There's no better teacher than that. Oh, yeah. All right. So there's one section down here, Roman, sort of towards the end that I wanted to make sure we got to talk about before we we're done, mm-hmm. because this is one where I almost feel like in current society, it almost gets misused. And that's the one it's in verse 11 when it's like, you know, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. It's this idea of persecution sort of being almost like a badge of honor. So if again, if we were looking at these beatitudes as things to achieve, if you try to sort of push this into that achievement framework Mm -hmm. it's like well how do i know whether you're a good christian or you are you're conducting your uh, i love doing air quotes when we're in a podcast (laughs) air quote i need to say air quotes when i do air quotes right but you know this is how people will know that you are a christian or that you're carrying out your christian responsibilities it's because you're getting persecuted all the time yeah Mm -hmm. so tell me i mean do you do you see or do you perceive any kind of tension there where you might have a situation where christians uh, are, are maybe engaging in non-Jesus activities, but yet being persecuted for them, but yet they sort of get confirmation from this verse that, hey, I'm being persecuted, so I must be being blessed. Oh, yeah. Well, I think people, I mean, one, you can make, you can find justification for anything, right? I mean, I mean, and it happens regularly. You got, you get people that, um, I mean, People that are—I mean, we, we could go into social injustice, I guess, and you could say that there are people that have—I um, mean, like legitimate racists. Mm-hmm. All right, people that are just outright racist. Um, 
which is ridiculous, right? I mean, we can we yep. can just go ahead and say that, which is absolutely yep. ridiculous. But then people are gonna are calling them out, saying that's. I mean, you are ridiculous. There's no reason you should be acting like that. And they're like, oh, it's my heritage. It's how I grew up. It's who I am. Right. And like, oh, I can't believe all these people are treating me this way. I'm being persecuted. Exactly. And you're like, oh, yes. Okay, buddy. Yes. Yeah. So I agree with you. So th- there is a spectrum out there, um, but I think. You know, it could. It also, I think, sometimes comes closer to home, where maybe just in the way that we communicate our beliefs mm. from people, if yeah. they, if maybe we 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 become ostracized to a certain extent because of the way maybe we engage or or any kind of aggression, or maybe if it's not aggression, but it's just if somebody feels like you don't value them, yeah, based on your belief system or what you've said about your belief system, then all of a sudden that can feel like you're being persecuted with, with when instead, I think our, our minister here at the church has said this, you may just be being a jerk. Yeah. Right. Like it, it may not be, you may not be uh, being persecuted uh, because of, um, uh, b- because you are being righteous. You may be being persecuted because you're just not being a nice person to be around. Yeah. And, that's going to happen because people don't like not nice people. Yeah. And, and and, however, I'm not like if love is not sort of coming through all, if love is not the sort of the overriding interaction Mm -hmm. and feeling. Right. Well, and, and and I'm not going to sit here and say that I think you deserve it because I wouldn't say that's very Christian of me. Yeah. Um, Well, I don't think we're saying that. I think I, I was just saying that sometimes you can um, you can almost be biased mm-hmm. in some of these things. Say, oh well, oh, yeah. if something bad happens to me, it's because you know I'm just being persecuted because I'm 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 going in for God. Oh yeah, like that. That's the reason why I've been persecuted. I almost feel like that this one maybe the reason why it's sort of at the end of this list is because it's like you have to you have to kind of move through these other movements first. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Like if you're not being merciful, if you're not being a peacemaker. If you're not being meek and and having humility, you mm-hmm. see what I mean? Yeah. It's like if you skip all these and go straight to verse 11 with the persecution and, man, I'm just going to be a hard charger and you know what? They're persecuting me. But wait, you've skipped all these other things yeah. where that's where God's divine blessing is. And guess what? If you are that person, like if you are, if you are merciful and you are, and you are humble and you're doing all those things and then somebody is persecuting you well then then yeah i think you are falling into that category mm-hmm. oh yeah definitely and and as we start to wrap up and i know it seems like it's gone by so quickly um at least for me anyway i i, I want to make sure that kind of at least what I, hopefully i am getting across anyway is that this is this is not easy this is these are things that you know, I think re- require, you know, reflection, re- require some, some self-reflection, some reflection of the relationships that I have, the way that I've treated people, the way that I even treat myself sometimes, um, you know, and, and, and even the idea of how close I think I am to God. And that may sound like a, like, a, like a crazy statement. I'm not trying to call people out. I'm not trying to say that, like, if you think you're far from God, this is impossible because I, I don't think that's true. But I guess my question to you is if you think that you 
are far from God, if you're not close, why? You know, it is because, I mean, for me, you know, I think God is right there. I mean, not I think, I don't think, I know, I know God is there and he's always there. Um, but I will say that like the idea of, you know, being poor in spirit, um, you know, being meek, being able to show comfort, right. In, in, in the, the presence of mourning, right. I think those are things that, you know, God gives because he is there and, and it's, it's easy for me to say right now. It's easy for me to understand because I was intentional about studying this stuff, not only for this podcast, but just in general. Right. But you know, for those that aren't intentional about things like that, it can become difficult to fully grasp. I'm not saying that I fully grasp it, but I I want it, I want it to be known that these lines are weird and they're going to be different sometimes for different, for, for different people. Yeah, and and the people maybe that feel, if you feel distant from God, which I mean I will confess to feeling distant from God um, at at various times. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's it's not like I I feel you know if I rate it on a scale, it's not like it's the same thing every morning when I wake up. Oh yeah, right? absolutely. You know, life is complex, and there's a lot of push and pull and things going on. But mm-hmm. I do think that maybe one of the most hopeful notes from this is like, again, back, back to this very first beatitude, it's the poor in spirit. It's those that don't necessarily have it all together. And God says, uh, God says, uh, or, or Jesus says that God's divine blessing is on these people. And in fact, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Almost like the kingdom of heaven is made up of people who don't feel like they deserve it. It's almost like if you if you feel like you're at the head of the line and, oh, yeah, I, we talked about this last week about yeah. the, the Pharisee coming up to pray. It's almost like you've sort of missed the whole point. And what God is saying, this is such incredibly good news mm-hmm. that God's favor is on the on, is with the the losers. I mean, haven't we all felt like losers before? Yeah. In, in in various aspects of our life, you know, haven't we all? Don't we all know what it feels like? Maybe one of the reasons why we like to root for underdogs is because we've been the underdog. Oh yeah. If you ever hear a story. And, and it's somebody's life story. And it's like, yep, you know, by, by five years old, they were a virtuoso piano player. And then by 10, they graduated college yeah. because they were a genius. And then they ran their own Fortune 500 company. It was like, if that is their whole life, you're like, I don't need to hear any more of that story. Right. It's not interesting mm-hmm. that the person is just doing nothing but crud. You want to hear... The story, I think the stories we relate to are the stories where it's like, oh, yeah, and then, you know, their life completely fell apart, mm-hmm. you know, and then they lost a family member or then their family broke up. And then this is what happened because that is um, that's more true to our reality. And so I think part of what the Beatitudes are saying is God is there in those moments for those people for us. Yeah. God is there in those moments of mourning. He's there when our spirits are weak, when we're not spiritually, you know, fired up. Yeah. God yeah. is there and we have his divine blessing. Yeah. And so 
As we wrap up, I want to say thank you guys for being with us this week. I also want to shout out um, to my man Kay. Uh, let you know that Miracle Whip is still gross, um, and I agree with you. Thank you that. For, thank you for that. Um, but uh, I don't know, Brad, if I want to give away what we're going to talk about next week. Let's let's keep it a secret. I like the idea of mystery. I don't know why. Yeah, it is my favorite movie genre. But I will say I watched Knives Out and I wasn't that impressed. Just throw really, that out there. Daniel Craig, the accent didn't do it oh, for you. Oh, you mean Colonel Sanders? Um, it was not good. It was yeah. not good. What about um, Captain America, whatever. Um, Maybe we do movie reviews. <laughs> Christian movie reviews, facing the giants. It's like every other one. Um, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, exactly. Five. <laughs> Five whole tomatoes. Zero five. Yeah, all right. Well, anyway, hey, thank you guys so much for being with us. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed our time. It always goes by faster than I thought it was going to go. Um, but we will be with you guys next week. Have a blessed day. <laughs>